Aloha, welcome to Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of Hawaiian Airlines. I'm uh, Alamisi Block Four Rips and Secretary Treasurer Sean Lee. Uh, today we've got a two-part safety episode. Uh, with us is uh, Central Safety Chairman Captain Scott Clark. How you doing, Scott? Hey, Sean Lee. Thanks for having us. And from the Federal Aviation Administration, we've got our senior representative to the ERC, Frank Wally. Hey, Frank. Good afternoon. Good. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, aloha. Welcome to the uh, the MEC office. Uh, for many of us, we have good days and bad days, but uh, on our on our bad days, sometimes it ends with a PSAP report. Uh, Scott, very briefly, just tell us the 30,000-foot overview of the PSAP program. <laughs> well, kind of like when I, uh, we started our fatigue uh, podcast, I told you, well, you know, I really didn't know a whole lot about the fatigue program. And when it came to the PSAP program, I would say that is pretty much the same thing because I s- believed what probably a lot of you out there listening believe that the PSAP program is just simply my get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, but since I picked up this job and I've learned so much more about the PSAP and the bigger picture, the ASAP program in its entirety, and how it affects us, how it affects our safety culture, how it protects us, and the whole uh, nuts and bolts of the program, it's a pretty amazing program in its entirety. Um, when I did a small uh, survey out there of uh, the pilots, asking them if they understood what the PSAP program is and also what is the ERC. Most pilots don't know what the ERC is, and most don't uh, really understand fully the PSAP program. So I thought having a podcast when we talked about this and, and having our FAA rep here is, is amazing. It's unbelievable because he's going to be able to put a lot of assumptions that pilots have out there at rest because he's going to, this is going to come from the FAA themselves on what this program is all about and why we're doing it. So, and I gotta be honest, I've been here for five years. I think I filed one PSAP report and one fatigue report. So, uh, and we're going to, we're going to talk about wide that. pilot, maybe not knowing what this program is and, and how it improves safety culture here. Exactly. Frank, tell us, uh, you're our representatives to the uh, ERC. Uh, tell us what that is and what it entails. And uh, we, we there. meet usually on Monday, for about uh, three three hours, we meet, uh, and we have about fourteen uh, incidents that we deal with, and we carry over some. And um, there is a representative from the company, there's a union representative, and there's the FAA representative. We're the three RCs, and uh, we we basically go over over uh, issues from the, the the ramp to approaches to high level to any number of things. TCAS things, uh, there, there's a whole gamut. And uh, the FAA's interest in it is beside the collaborating part where we can discuss things with the, with the carrier is uh, we want to get the data from this. And we want, we want, we want to learn uh, on our regulatory side how it'll help us be better regulators. And we want both of us to learn how we can be safer and do things a better way in a safer way. And it works very well because we get a, a substantial amount of data from that as well as from FOCWA. And those two databases are the best uh, issues we have as far as correcting uh, safety problems that, that we encounter from my perspective. We have other SMS and all, all other things, but I, I think those two, the FOCWA and the PSAP program, are the best data we can get. 
I want to ask, one of the reasons why I think pilots are skeptical is that when we file a report, it doesn't affect change. Uh, for, the, for the both of you, does change happen with PSAP reports? Does, does, do they affect actual safety-related? Well, let me, let me back up a bit here sure. first. Um, the P, PSAP stands for, it stands for Pilot Safety Action Program, and that falls under the Aviation Safety Action Program, which is put out by the FAA. as a, It's a voluntary program that companies don't have to follow, right? So within the Aviation Safety Action Program, there's pilots, there's dispatchers, there's mechanics, and there's air traffic control. So PSAP is for, for us, obviously. Now, because Hawaiian has agreed to voluntarily be part of the ASAP program, we have the PSAP program, and ALPA has signed on, the company has signed on, and the FAA have signed on under a memorandum of understanding. It's a legal document. It's in our EFB. You can, I, I highly encourage everybody to pull it up and read it. So we have a signed document by all three players on how we're going to go about basically applying the PSAP program to our operation. So within the PSAP program, there's an event review committee. So we submit our PSAPs. The event review committee, which, as Frank talked about, is the FAA, the company, and ALPA, the three representatives, will discuss these three, or um, um, these three representatives will discuss the PSAP programs and make judgment call recommendations from that. That makes and sense. I, I might add, uh, there's no identification of any other individual. It's de-identified before we see it. And the only way it would be unidentified or identified is if we have a question, then we go to the Alpha rep, and then he doesn't, we never discuss names. There's no, no names discussed sure. there. He, he goes and discusses it and comes back. So it's, it's a completely anonymous program, which it should be. And uh, again, there's total immunity, you know. What kind of reports are you seeing? Is it just unstable approaches, a thousand of them a day, or is it is it pretty pretty interesting stuff? Uh, it's everything from uh, taxiing issues, uh, parking issues, uh, departure issues, uh, en route uh, approaches. There, there's everything. Just a recent one here where land and hold short, the clearances, and we it it emanated from from a, a number of land and hold short. And there was just a little lot of confusion there. So we got together with the tower chief. We got together with the chief pilot for uh, uh, Hawaiian and us. And we said, what is this something we can, we can all agree on? Because the, the controllers were trying to cover themselves because they have uh, guidelines. And they were on the text, uh, the rollout, they were telling the guys to land and uh, hold short. And this guy's, you know, he's trying to keep the airplane under control. Right. And, and, and I said, that's not safe. You got to do it another way. And then the tower chief says, well, these guys have to say it to cover themselves because there's another runway issue. So those are the kind of things we get. And there's a lot of collaboration, you know, and it, it's, 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 it's functional. It's not uh, punitive or anything. That's what makes it really good. Yeah. It should be said, uh, like you said earlier, even if uh, the controller doesn't bring it up at the time, there's automated flags. There's uh, yeah. after the fact yeah. reports. Just because you didn't get a brasher warning that's saying right. that possible pilot deviation, and, and maybe mean he you did, shouldn't he, file a report. He did. He he didn't want to do it. Sure, he was forced to by his supervisor or whatever. You know. Right. 
Let's talk about the, the bigger picture uh, when it comes to the FAA, the compliance uh, philosophy. We spoke about this just a little bit off, off camera, um, about the FAA is trying to get pilots and operators to uh, have a just safety culture without being punishing. Can right. we talk about that a little it, bit? It's a, a kinder and gentler society <laughs> we're dealing with. And uh, they, they, they went that direction because they wanted to get the data because the data is what drives everything for safety. You know, the more data they have, the more they can change the procedures, change the regulatory process and everything. And so in, in, light, in that light, they, they wanted to open it up. And uh, so we're not as, FAA is not as punitive as they used to be. And uh, they're mo more willing to deal with the pilots on a non-punitive uh, uh, area and, you know, administrative area, if you will. Sure. And Scott, you brought this up earlier. Our honest mistakes don't get punished by either the company or the FAA. If you report it and it was an honest mistake, there's very few exceptions to the PSAP and that, program. That understanding is huge. And this is one of the reasons we're having this podcast is to get this word out because a lot of guys just don't understand this. There's only five incidences here, and it's in the uh, MOU that will not have your PSAP accepted by the ERC when they review it. And I'll read them off to you here. Criminal activity, substance abuse, controlled substances, alcohol, or intentional falsification. As a, uh, I'm a first officer, and one of the concerns for me is if I see a safety issue and I report it without the captain reporting it as well, am I going to get the captain in trouble or is there? No, 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 no. no. Again, it's anonymous. Right. Okay? So nobody knows you did it, you know. Right. And it's going to stay right there. But we get the data. Okay, we get a thing where someone's doing something this way, someone doing that. There's a conflict, perhaps in the procedures, whatever. And th then we can give it to the company saying, let's find a better way to do this. But we want the pilot group to understand that submitting a PSAP report isn't diming yourself out or diming the crew out. Right. It's not that at all. Like, like Frank is saying, it's about gathering data, trend analysis, you know. Um, I'll give Frank a scenario here, and he can kind of walk through uh, um, how the ERC would function when there's there's a, a, a you know potential violation and this and that. But I just want to make it clear that you are protected as far as the ERC goes. The Alpa representative in the ERC doesn't have to wear an Alpa hat once they accept a PSAP report for a violation or whatever, he or she can take off his ALPA hat and put on his safety hat because you are protected by the program, right? So when when Frank and, and Jimmy Peckinpah or Carol and, and CD are in there doing their ERC, they all can take off their allegiancy hats and put on their safety hat and try to figure out the best way to correct whatever the issue is. That's the beauty of this program. Sure. And there's no names involved. They don't know who the crew is. They just want to fix the problem. You know, I don't have any more say than the other guy, okay? And, uh, and we rarely take a vote because we, we you know, if it's two to one, we'll, we'll reconcile it where everybody's happy with the outcome, you know? Have you guys ever kicked out a report for anything other than this? Not, not since I've been here with It's mandatory, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's so rare because like sure. we all come to work, we, we want to do the right thing. Nobody right. intentionally goes out violating things. So let's say we have a crew out there and... They have an unstable approach and they do what we want them to do, a go around. And and let's say in that go around, they totally gum it up. I mean, they're all over the place. They're violating altitudes, they're off course, airspeeds are all over the place. So they listen to this podcast, 
said, all right, I'm going to put in a PSAP report because there could be some pilot violations coming down the pike here. So they submit the PSAP report, and they're really honest. They didn't understand the automation or their procedures were all over the place or CRM was not existing, whatever it is, they, they put it down on paper. You get the pilot deviation from the ATC. You got that in front of you. You got the PSAP reports from the crew in front of you. And then you and Alpa and the company sit down in the ERC table and talk about it. Could you walk the pilot group through how that discussion would go and then the follow-on recommendations? Right. Okay, so it comes in, and there might be a, a pilot deviation or not. We're not sure at that point, okay? We will ultimately find it, but by the time we find it, they have their immunity already, okay? And when we talk about accepting it, we go through the whole narrative that the individual files, and then we're kind of picturing ourselves in this thing, and we, we discuss, okay, let's look, what does the FOM say we're supposed to do? You know, what does the procedure, uh, as far as the ATC procedure, say they're expecting of them? And then we, we talk it all, and uh, we just say, okay, here's what we think happened, okay, based on the narrative, and here's what we have from the ATC. We put it all together, and then we say, okay, it's understandable. You know, it, it, it was a bad, a bad act the whole way, but we understand it, and let's get some data, and let's say, how are we going to prevent this from happening again? Was it uh, human factors? Was it procedures? Was it a fatigue? There's a number of things it could be, and we'd bring all those in, and then we accept it, and we try and find what department, uh, what procedure, whatever, where we can send it to to help it out. So let's say you you figure out that the crew just needs a little a little sim time. They need to get in the sim and talk to instructor. Say it's a procedural problem, but right. you recommend some sim time. We we've done that before, and again. Nobody knows who they are. They go in the sim. There's no check ride, if you will. It's just, let's clear the air here. Do you understand this? Okay, that was at the end of it. And it's the ERC recommending it. It's not the FAA. It's the committee as a whole right. saying, oh, yeah. hey, not let's the get FAA. these no, guys no. in the it's sim. It's the ERC. Right. And uh, it, 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 it's a very positive thing from the standpoint of, uh, like you say, they'll go in there, and it's kind of like it, they're going into Vegas. What happens here stays here. We're trying to make the individual more comfortable with what he didn't do correctly. And then we also say, well, did you brief properly? Maybe we should change the briefing on go-arounds. You know? Maybe we should change the briefing on approaches. In case we go around, are we going to use the autopilot? Who's going to be flying? Who's going to be handling the radios? All these things come into it. You know, A better way of doing things is basically what we're doing, a better and safer way. So once they f- go into the sim... They do the recommended ERC simulator right. ride. The instructor, and just I'm, I'm just asking, the instructor yeah. will come back to the ERC. No, and, no, 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 no. It's it's done. They they've but, done it. Yeah, there's no. But the instructor the has way. to tell you that yeah, though, right? That he's completed the procedure. Yeah. So the instructor it's, it's will a come pass, back. Fail. Sure. Yeah. You check the box and you're done. Yeah. Exactly. He's sure. just yeah. gonna. The instructor right. is just gonna say to the ERC, the crew. It's been done. Yeah, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. And then you, you, and that's not on your training records, or no, that's just no, no, something no, that no ERC says. It. And then yeah. once it's done, it's done. Maybe we should talk a little bit about time critical uh, incidents, accidents. Uh, if you find yourself in in a position where you need to report something immediately, there's always the uh, Alpha Orange card. It's on the app. The uh, hotline. It's on most. Hotline, it's on our yeah, lanyards. Yeah. Printed. All obviously those incident accidents should be filed up with a PRI and a PSAP report. Yep, and and. 
the pilots can call the PSAP committees and, and, and our lawyer, Brad Elkelberg, they can help you write the PSAP report. So what, one thing I want to kind of hone in on as well is, is the safety culture we're, <clears throat> we're trying to develop here. Um, most people may think that if you don't have a whole lot of safety reporting happening, PSAP reports, incident reports, whatever, that, hey, that's the sign of a safe airline, you know? There's no safety incidences happening out there, you know, but that's the exact opposite. A good, healthy safety culture is demonstrated by people being comfortable enough to submit safety reports on a regular basis. The more safety reports we have, and in this situation, PSAP reports, the healthier you are as far as a safety culture goes. And we're really trying to promote that. And both ALPA, the FAA, and the company have really embrace that and are really trying to educate the the workforce as much as possible that that the just culture it, it's real it does exist you know the FAA here is is telling us that yes we in this is our baby sure. you know we we want everybody to report and if you report and it's an honest mistake hey there there's no punitive action you may have a little bit of training just to get you up to speed but that's the only thing, and it's a good thing, right? You know? It may be a good procedure. Maybe you've thought of a way it would be a better procedure, so you file a report. You know, it may, it may be a conflict in the cockpit between one, one, one person went through and the other. You file a report. Okay, how can we make this easier and better and safer? That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and if, if there is a pilot deviation involved, a violation, a potential violation under the old school FAA where they'd come in and could be fines, could be right. suspended, who knows what. If you choose not to submit a PSAP report, I'm not quite sure how it will play out because you are electing not to protect yourself because the program is embraced by the FAA, the company, and ALPA. We've signed on board that this is how we're going to do business. And if you choose not to be part of that, then you are basically on your own. I mean, I can't speak to how Larry and the MEC will handle this, but I don't know if there's a whole lot they can do because you're electing to step out of this program that all three of us have said we want to be part of via the MOU that we Very all Very cheap loss of license insurance. Very cheap. <laughs> okay, thanks, Frank, for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Come back uh, anytime. Very good. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to go to uh, Chairman Larry Payne with an update from the chairman. And uh, Scott Clark will be back with uh, First Officer Luke Hofacher to talk about FOQA. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. We're uh, back with Captain Larry Payne, chairman of the Hawaiian Airlines Master Executive Council, joining us uh, on the phone from Seattle. Hey, Larry. Sean, how are you? Scott, oh, how you doing? Good. Talking about uh, PSAP and FOCA issues today. Tell us what's going on uh, with the uh, MEC. Wow, there's uh, there's a lot going on right now, uh, Sean. Busy busy time of year. We uh, we obviously are in Section 6 negotiations. That's kind of at the forefront of uh of what we've got going on right now. Um, I know uh, everybody saw the calm this week about the uh, grievance decision from the arbitrator on the vaccine mandate. That's still a busy issue for us. We're still fighting every day to get those guys back on property, back in the cockpit. That continues to be something we're fighting for. Um, I personally have executive board at Alpha National next week we get together uh, once every quarter for executive board. 
to meet with the other properties and with National to, to, to do business on the executive side. In October, uh, we have the BOD, Alpha National BOD, which is a big BOD that we'll all be going to, including yourself, mm-hmm. uh, because it's a, a big election year for all the national officers uh, on, on the Alpha National side. Um, and we're, we're kind of up in, uh, everything we do from, uh, we got, we brought Scott in as our cash chair. He's done a fabulous job of getting all of our safety guys, uh, kind of to the next level, um, with that stuff. I, he's heading out at the same time that I'm at executive board next week. He'll be at the air safety forum in DC while we're there. Uh, that's a good thing for them. And we're, kind of up in our calm game as uh, as I said in my Labor Day message you know we're we're starting to get back into in-person uh, venues rather than uh, you know meeting over a TV screen or on the phone uh, we're still going to continue to do uh, that stuff for the folks that can't attend the in-person venues but uh, you know we're doing pub events uh, we've had a couple of coffee sets we're going to ramp those up as we get going and we just really need, as I, again, I said, in my labor day message, we really need pilots to be engaged. I mean, this is the time that we need everybody engaged in everything that's going on, especially with section six. I mean, they're, it's, we represent them. I mean, we're, we're just, we serve at their pleasure and are guided from them. So um, they need to continue to be engaged and, and speak with their voices. We'll talk about uh, volunteerism in a little bit, but uh, it's a good time to get involved and volunteer for uh, ALPA if you have a spare moment or two and, and have expertise outside of flying, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, you know, it really is. And, 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 and a good example is old Scott sitting right there with you. You know, I, I twisted Scott's arm to get involved for, for quite some time, and he, he was reluctant to do so. And I, I remember I was riding bikes with him in Kailua one day, and, and uh, we started talking about it. He uh, he agreed to do it, and uh, you know what a great uh, great addition he's been for us. And yeah, we need we need good people to step up and do work. This pilot group is growing fast at an unprecedented rate that we haven't seen before. That creates a lot more work for us, and uh, we need volunteers to do that work. So if anybody's interested, pick up a phone, send a text, send an email. Um, we could definitely use the help. Larry, uh, we're in the middle of Section 6. Uh, have you gotten word from our negotiations committee about the progress of uh, Section 6 uh, here at home? Yep, uh, I sure have. I um, I speak with Doug almost daily, uh, seven days a week, um, and getting updates from him. Um, Doug is, you know, I'm sure he's expressed uh, to the pilots at the pub events and whatnot. He, he's cautiously optimistic, but... Um, it sounds like things are going okay, um, you know, and there are other properties within Alpha. I think I, I said at one time on an Alpha pilot call just a little while ago, I think it, now almost every Alpha property is in negotiations or wrapping up negotiations. I am in constant contact with Doug and uh, in constant contact with other properties to see how it's going with them. And so it's uh, I'm as well cautiously optimistic. Larry, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, when we come back, we'll have uh, First Officer Luke Hofacher talk about the folklore program. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. I'm First Officer Sean Lee, joined by Captain Scott Clark. Joining us, we have First Officer Luke Hofacher of the Folkwa program. 
Hey, Luke. Thank you. Thanks for the uh, thanks for inviting me over. You've never called me. I've never had a FOCO call. Very very clean up to this moment. But tell us about what you do and your committee and absolutely what goes on. Yeah, no. It's, in fact, that's it's funny you say that because that's one of the things that I actually bring up sometimes is some people I never call and and and, and some people um, are not necessarily like that. But so the FOCO program is the Flight Operational Quality Assurance. Uh, that's what it stands for. It's essentially uh, where we take the uh, flight data recorders and um, that data all essentially transfers over to GE Aviation. We actually own the data, uh, but it resides on their servers. Um, and it's probably over 50,000 parameters, everything from the degrees of the aileron to the airspeed to the altitude of the aircraft. Um, probably as many as like 10 different altitude parameters, 10 different airspeed parameters. Uh, and so all, all that stuff just gets recorded and um, it all gets stored. Um, and, uh, and that essentially is, is the program in, in terms of the data storage aspect of it. Why even bother, why even bother to call pilots? Like what are you trying to find out when you get a, a flagged report? Yeah, so one of the one of the big uh, one of the big questions that I get is like why why have the program and it's actually not FAA mandated. Um, that's something that I don't think a lot of people really knew. Um, it's it's basically a, a financial incentive, um, such that if if folks if airlines have a focal program, then what it does is it re- reduces significantly reduces the uh, whole replacement insurance policy, and so. Um, you know, you you can you can elect not to have a focal program, but it's really going to hit you uh, as far as the insurance goes. So yeah, so the company um, will uh, filter through one of it's about seventy five different flags. Most of the flags are what I call direct measure. There are some flags that um, are kind of like an equation where it takes multiple direct measures and then sort of runs a little equation. And if you exceed those values, then and you're going to get a flag. There's there's two types of what you, what you call a flags. Um, there's a, a caution level event, and then there's uh, a warning level event. Uh, generally, the cautions mirror our SOP. Okay, um, a warning level is something a little bit in excess of that. Um, so, like taxi speed uh, is is one. You're going to have a certain you know level warning and a certain level uh, caution. Um, and it's, it's really primarily to answer, to direct answer your question, it's primarily an effort to try to find out why an event occurred. Um, and what that does is it gets, that information flows back to, um, you know, pilot training and flows back to the operation side of the house. And if there's something that can be fixed, uh, with how we interact with other government agencies or, you know, organizations, then it really gets fixed at a tremendously high level. So the information that's gleaned from the crew contact certainly um, is very valuable and and really does truly uh, make a difference. Scott, the FOCA program along with PSAP, what we, we talked about um, earlier, is just one of the many tools within your central air safety toolkit. And just tell us about the overall safety philosophy of right, what you guys right. do and what the airline yeah, does. FOCA is a huge part of that. And, you know, Kind of like PSAP when I took over, I thought FOCOA was just the airplane tattling on me. You know, and I think there's a lot of people out there, that's what they think FOCOA is, you know, it's the airplane tattling on. But again, like PSAP, it is so much more than that. Um, there is a whole um, organization and structure 
around FOQA. Maybe Luke, maybe you can tell us the the breakdown, like the gatekeepers, the committees. I mean, it's yeah. just not the airplane tattling on you. There is a, and we'll get to the rationale behind FOQA. I mean, why we have the program and what it's doing for us. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a three step process. I'll, you know what? Why don't I do this? Why don't I just take a, a minute or two and I'll talk about kind of the flow of the data and sure. where it starts sure. and kind of where it ends. Yeah. Um, so um, every Thursday night, if a seven one seven remains overnight in Honolulu, so it's not being you know it's not remaining overnight at an out at an inner island uh, outer station. Um, there is a data card. It's it's the same card that you have in those big SLR digital cameras. So it's a big, big data card, SIM card. Um, and basically that gets pulled and then a new one gets put in. That card physically is uploaded to the GE servers via uh, uh, a maintainer. And then at that point, um, uh, the uh, safety analyst who at one point was a gentleman named Jake Reuter. He has since moved on. Um, and so we're kind of interim gapped it right now. And that's a company person, right? That's a company person. That's someone that's re that reports to Bennett Walsh, the director of safety. Um, and, and they um, essentially take all of that data and then analyze it for one of, you know, one of 75 different um, flags that either a caution or warning level event. And... The other aircraft, all the A321s, and uh, I think most of the A330s, I think all but two, have a system called Wasabi. So what Wasabi is, is when the aircraft pulls into the gate, as soon as it determines that it's in its its ultimate you know, uh, uh, point of arrival, then it will just essentially start um, downloading the data via cell tower information. And so it, it just goes straight to the GE servers. There's no card or anything like that. So once it's on the servers, the safety analyst, usually on Fridays, will analyze all of the data. And then uh, we have everything from risk of runway overrun. Okay, now that is an equation that takes your weight of your aircraft. It looks at the METAR. If it's raining, if the, if the runway is wet, it looks at the speed. It looks at probably four or five different parameters. And then it comes up with a risk analysis that's just some random number. And so if you meet that threshold, then we'll get a warning level or caution level risk of runway overrun. Um, there's another one while you're taxiing. Um, if you get to an intersection with uh, a runway and a taxiway and you really, really, really come down on the brakes super hard, then the aircraft geographically knew where you were at. Uh, it knew how what your rate of deceleration was. It knew that you were really close to that intersection and it kind of makes an assumption that you had a risk of runway um, uh, uh, incursion. Uh, incursion. Thank you. Wow. Which may not necessarily be the case. And right. so, so a lot of times, really, the first objective of the gatekeeper, we get we get the flags from the safety analyst, and then they kind of parse through it and try to determine what is we call throwaway and what is like legitimate. If it looks legitimate, you're still never 100% sure until you do the the crew contact then we'll, we'll basically get that back and we'll, he'll say, hey, can you call on these now? Why don't you explain a gatekeeper? Yeah, so what a gatekeeper is, is we are the only ones that have access to the flight number and the date. We actually don't have the names on the GE servers. All we have is the flight number and the date. And those two pieces of information, we go to the flight track saber software, the sure. movement control. Right. 
And then at that point, we can determine, you know, we put in the date and everything. We're like, okay, that was the captain. That was the FO. And we can ultimately find out the entire crew. And gatekeepers are strictly ALPA. Gatekeepers are strictly ALPA. We report to the MEC. Those, that's a direct uh, direct report. Obviously, uh, we work with the, the uh, Commander Safety Chairman. Um, and um, and we, um, yeah, we don't, we don't. We don't have a direct report to, to Bob Johnson or flight operations. So, on that continuing um, discussion that I've been having on improving our safety culture, I mean, it, it is all about that. It's all about the awareness that the airplane isn't just tattling on you. They're taking the data and they can apply what they see to how things are actually happening out there. For instance, for example, we had uh, a few months ago we had a whole bunch of uh, uh, Vi- not violations, just people going too fast, flying too fast, uh, either going up or down 250 below 10. Okay. Right? And, exceeding and the speed. Exceeding yeah. the speed yeah. limit. And that was identified. Word got out, and we told everybody that, and they came back down, right? Once we started to, yeah, the, the trend of increasing 250 below 10 ha- was happening. So sure. we put the word out, and it came back down. Um we are really big on putting out unstable approach criteria and we can watch that on FOQA. That's how we know where we're at with our stable, unstable approaches is by Luke presenting each airplane and how it's doing with its stable approaches. And that's how we can develop procedures and communications on how to better have stable approaches. Luke, let's say, uh, I, Screw up an approach and and you want more information, just take us through the anatomy of a uh, FOQA call and how yeah. the interaction between pilots and the FOQA gatekeepers work. Yeah, absolutely. So so the, the, the program is voluntary and and I think that's important because if it's if it stays voluntary, then we get we get the best and, and truest information. Um, when I make a, a gatekeeper call, uh, no one else really knows about it. No one has that I, I identification in terms of who the pilot is. Of course, the company knows that the event occurred. They know the, you know how if it was bad, if it was not bad, um, and so they know the heavy duty details, but they don't know the identification. So the call starts out, and it's usually trying to get them to to recollect the event. I'll mention who they were flying with. That's a big one for the brain to key in on. Um, and just try to understand uh, and put them back where, where they were. Hey, you were flying from here to here. Uh, it was this date. It was the last flight of the day. The sun was going down. And so it's just an attempt to try to get them back, you know, it, to the actual flight. And a lot of times when I first start describing it, they don't really recall. And then as I mention more and more key events, I'll try to like key in on certain things. Then that kind of brings them back into the seat. And that's really what we want to do is try to bring them back to the event and try to see if they can recall what they were thinking at the time. Maybe there was an MEL that was causing an issue that was, that was causing them to be high. Um, you know, maybe the controller asked them to, to maintain a certain altitude. A lot of times aircraft coming back from the mainland that are doing these Maui arrivals. Maui is just so unbelievably busy that they'll hold guys up intentionally. And then sometimes the controller forgets to either give them the visual or give them the visual at the last minute. And so, uh, a lot of it is just sort of just kind of juicing that communication sure. and, and trying to, you know, get them back in the seat. And then once we, once I, I detail, I'll read the data off and I'll just say, hey, this is the data. 
Um, and then they'll say, hey, you know, maybe I don't remember that it was necessarily that bad or that sort of thing. And we'll just kind of go through it. And then I'll say, hey, do you remember, uh, first thing I like to ask is, do you remember who, who was flying? 717, um, I don't, I, I can't tell that. I can only tell that on the Airbus. There's a there's a, a pressure sensor in the sticks on the Airbus, but there's nothing like that on the 717. Um, the other thing that I've been asking a lot lately because we do the two-day inter-island pairings is I'll say, hey, uh, was this a two-day? Because <laughs> right. a lot of times the fatigue can certainly affect uh, the performance level. And so I tr I've been trying to diligently record all that stuff down. And then when we get to the meat of it, um, a lot of times folks will say, yeah, I was high and that kind of thing. And, and I think that's, that, that is, is really good, um, you know, to have an honest discussion and stuff. Uh, but what's even better is kind of like, well, why, you know, why, sure. why did that happen and what was the genesis of it? Um, and so that's really the, 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 the effort is to figure out the whys. And if we can string together a series of crew contacts that, directly implicate a particular organization like in a, you know at Honolulu ATC facility or something like that that that's the gold that's what we're after and pilots can speak to you knowing that everything is confidential the only people the only person that knows who the crew is is the gatekeeper and those those notes are kept strictly confidential within the safety realm well it's just real important for everyone to understand both the PSAP and Foqua is extremely protected you know, we're, we're really on top of that, keeping everybody's name out of it, because once that is compromised, both programs will basically cease to exist because we have to keep that trust. We have to. And we do everything we can to, to protect that. Well, Luke, thanks for uh, joining us today. You want to share your email just in case people want to get in touch with you? Yeah, L-U-K-E dot H-O-F-A-C-K-E-R at alpa.org. Luke Ofacker from the uh, FOCA committee. Scott Clark, your your email and contact? Uh, well, one, one last quick sure. thing. We're uh, almost completely done with standing up our uh, um, electronic flight back committee. We've just got a few more things to do, and that's going to go live soon. So um, Mike Lambert is going to be the new chairman for that committee, and he's going to be authorized up to two uh, committee members, and then we're going to start working with a company on developing our EFB functionally and all the good stuff that we can do to make our EFBs better. Sure. So sure. that's that's on uh, the horizon, as well as uh, the Human Factors Committee. It's still uh, progressing. We've got two students that are going to be uh, taking a Human Factors course with Embry-Riddle here shortly, and the company's working with us and helping us to develop uh, the Human Factors Committee, and we're going to hopefully integrate that with the company ultimately developing a, a much better human performance committee. So that's in the works and is on the way. And uh, my email address is scott.clark2 at alpha.org. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Luke. This has been Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of uh, Hawaiian Airlines Master Executive Council, produced here in Honolulu, Hawaii. If you have a question, you can send us a dart at dart.alpa.org or shoot us an email at howcommunications at alpa.org. I'm Secretary Treasurer, Block 4 Rep Extraordinaire, First Officer Sean Lee. We'll see you next month.